Is it rolling, Bob? Talking Dylan. He's your host, Lucas Hare. He's your host, Kerry Shale. But he's our special guest, journalist and broadcaster, Tom Sutcliffe. May you build a ladder to the stars and climb on every rung. That's my choice of line. You know, I kind of, I'm denied about it. It's a really Hallmark song, I think. I mean, Hallmark card kind of song. Ah. <laughs> and it's actually a really Hallmark card kind of line. But uh, I actually engraved that on an iPod that I gave to my son for his birthday because he was, he was, he's a much bigger Dylan fan than I am. And he came at Dylan through his own route, I don't think I introduced him. I think you'll have heard some songs that we mm. were playing at home. Um, but he became a huge fan. And, uh, and so I bought him an iPod for his, his birthday, uh, sort of like 14th birthday or something. And I cut some pictures of him, a sort of, you know, slideshow of him from his birth until his 14th birthday and cut it to Forever Young. And that was the line, mm. you know, you, when you buy an iPod, you can mm. engrave it on the back. That was the line I right. engraved on the back. And I was just about to type it into the thing, and I looked at it, and I thought, God, that's cheesy. <laughs> and then I realized, I mean, it is a bit. May you build a ladder to the stars. But what's so great about that line, I think, is, and climb on every rung. I think that's the line that absolutely kills it, because mm. it's, it, it, it's this idea of having a shortcut to the stars, but you're not going to miss a single rung out. And there's a sort of sense of labor and detail to that that you've mm. got to do every step of it you don't you don't miss any steps out mm. you go through everything and i thought that was a great line to give do, to her do you think may you stay forever young is cheesy or do you think that that yeah, is I a natural it, extension of no the, no i think it is a little cheesy but you know you can get away with that sort of thing if you as long as you acknowledge that there is and i think that's what dylan is often so good at mm. is that he acknowledges the ambiguities in these sort of truisms and mm. and simple thoughts and the idea of climbing every rung on a ladder to the stars is actually kind of quite grim in in some respects <laughs> yeah. you know it's 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 a tough steady long haul uh, and when I was sort of writing it on there or, you know, filling out the little form, I thought, actually, that's not a bad message to give a 14-year-old yeah. or a 15-year-old who's maybe a bit troubled, maybe thinking of skipping some, yes. some rungs. Some rungs, yeah. yeah. There are no shortcuts. Don't miss anything out. Yeah. I mean, I've seen uh, – it's used a lot uh, for, I think – uh, well, particularly, I went to uh, my nephew's bar mitzvah in uh, Vancouver years ago, and uh, my a friend of um, his mum's was singing this song as part. It was a happy, clappy kind of, um, you know, new wavy bar mitzvah. And my brother sort of nudged me and and said, "God, that's so corny." And uh, everybody was weeping because it was particularly appropriate for mm. this thirteen-year-old boy who played so much yeah. at bar mitzvahs, isn't it? And of course, it is corny, and it's. Um, it's it's slightly inappropriate, too, to say to a child, I think. Uh, you know, it is that parental thing of not wanting them to grow up and not mm. wanting them to. But I think, again, because he does, he does that line, yeah, he, he adds in the notion that you are living, you are continuing to live, it, you are continuing also, to move it, on. It, like, like a lot of his really simple-seeming stuff, as you say, it's actually complex when you study it. And I, I know when I was a kid, I discovered there was this... <laughs> Uh, William Blake engraving. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called uh, I Want, I Want. And it's somebody climbing a ladder to the stars. I mean, it's mm. and it spoke to me when I was like, I think I was about 15, 
But uh, and I don't didn't know why. I didn't even know it was William Blake until years later. Well, but. it's Jacob's ladder, isn't it? It's an, it's mm. an, another of those kind of biblical references mm-hmm. of the dream of the ladder to the to, to sort of yeah. heaven or paradise. I, my, my theology isn't terribly good, but I think that's what it is. So we asked you for people who haven't heard the podcast and have just thought Tom Sutcliffe's doing a podcast um, and have tuned in. We asked you to, to choose a line that meant something to you before we sort of moved on to the to That's the it. I don't randomly quote Bob Dylan lines. No, because we... That's the beginning of a conversation. normal if you do. <laughs> normal if you do. Um, well, we asked you on, Tom, as, as a person who doesn't normally quote Bob Dylan lines, and, uh, and you, you said, well, uh, yes, I, I, I'm happy to come on, but I don't know my Dylan inside out. So uh, we asked you if you'd, uh, if you'd take a look at uh, bringing it all back home as an album, mm. and that's what we're going to concentrate on today, yeah. if that's okay. That's great. I've been playing it virtually nonstop. So, Subterranean Homesick Blues, the kickoff. Um, yay or nay? Uh, absolutely, definitely, yay. But the thing I think I thought most about that song was what it must have sounded like when you first heard it. Mm. You know that experience of first putting on an album and you haven't heard it. I mean, I don't know what the history of this is. Did it get Radio Airplay? I assume not. Oh, so no, the, it, it did. It did I before. I mean, it was his, before, first, it was his first thing that, that um, um, his first top 40 hit in America. So the I think it made 39. Out. Right, the single, okay. yeah. But there must have been people who got the album, put the needle down, and, yeah. and heard that oh, sound yeah. coming out. Yeah. That that would have been amazing, I think. But I, the other thing that I thought was interesting playing this album, you know, when people still used to listen to albums and they listened in the order that they were recorded in, is what an odd um, beginning it is, those first five songs, because it's, it's, a, it's a cold shower, warm shower <laughs> deal, isn't it? You, yeah. um, <laughs> Subterranean sick, Homesick Blues is really sort of at you and, mm. and, and aggressive. And then you go into um, uh, what comes next, uh, She Belongs to Me, mm-hmm. which is an absolute sort of warm bath. And then you're back out again, and then you're back into mm. another. Mm. So it's got this very strange alternation at the beginning before yeah. it, you know, the album does something else with those last couple of tracks. He does this on quite a lot of albums, and certainly in concerts, he doesn't like you to feel comfortable, I don't think. And, you know, you'll be thinking, oh, it's this kind of album, you know, whether it's uh, Blood on the Tracks or whatever. You'll be, you'll be in a zone and you'll hear a song and you'll think, well, that doesn't quite belong. Um, Forever Young was on an album. He put two versions of it on there, one slow, one fast. And one is really, really jarring, depending on what mood you're in, you know, and it's just him being difficult, I think. Well, I listened, actually, I was listening to, um, I mean, I'm jumping ahead here, but, but, but I was li- listening to the way I came up, Bob Dylan was sort of, you know, back ways around. So when I heard it, It's All Right, Ma, I thought, this is weird, you know. Mm. <laughs> this is such a gentle, reassuring version of this song. And on, on the band, it's anything but reassuring. Mm. You know, it sounds, if you were his mother, you'd think something's really wrong here. Mm. Uh, that doesn't seem to me the case on this recording. It's, it oh, is actually, really? I mean, I think well, a, I, I think if you'd heard it again in, in 1965, I think it would be very jarring. You, the, the arrangement isn't jarring, but the words are pretty darn jarring. I think that it's all right, Ma. I don't know. I just hear it as saying it'll be okay in the long run. In that, in the, in this first recording of it, I mean, there are all those those terrific lines. I almost chose he not busy being born is busy dying, but mm. then I didn't because it's such a cliche, and mm. you know, it's the obvious one. But it's a t- such a fantastic line, and that is jarring. But then you you're reassured, it seems to me, by that refrain. 
you're you're wrinkling your brow. Yeah, no, I don't. I I I I like listening to it a lot because of uh, I, I just like all the internal jokes and rhymes and, but um, I think it was meant to be uh, disturbing. I think it is still disturbing. That's that's how I take it. But th- this is a typical Bob Dylan sort of conversation. I can't remember which. Um, version it is but on one version I think it might even be on film he introduces it as this song is called It's Alright Ma I'm Only Bleeding Ho 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 which gives you an idea of the the perverse humour behind but but again you you know who are we to say that you can't find certain elements in, in a song they're both, they're both there of course they are do you want to go back to uh, Subterranean Homesick yeah. Blues? Just um, is there anything else? I mean, because it's it's a pretty wild song, isn't it? As you say, it's it, a wild, it's still song. wild. I yeah, think. no, it's still wild. I mean, and I think one of the jarring things about you, you know, maybe that first time you ever hear it is how full of instructions it is. And of, <laughs> of course, he's parodying all of that. <laughs> he's parodying that blizzard. It made me think of the opening of The Graduate. Yeah. Um, I don't know where they stand in time, those two. I think The Graduate is two later, years apart. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's that, it's that idea that the whole world is coming at you and telling you what you're going to do and what yeah. you sh- need to do and what you shouldn't do and what you must do mm. and so on. Mm. Um, and it, it gets that same sense of being completely alienated while being yeah. a terrific song as well. I remember when I, when I first heard it, which was years after it came out, I, wasn't, uh, I, I had to go backwards to get to my Dylan. The, I found the ending. When I first heard it, I thought, the pumps don't work because the vandals took the handle. I thought, what kind of an ending is that? <laughs> That's no ending at all. I don't like that ending. Well, actually, I, I love it now. <laughs> I love it now because it's so jarring, and I, I get disappointed when Dylan doesn't jar. That's why I listen mm-hmm. to Dylan, unless I'm in a mood where I want to listen to Nashville Skyline and, and be relaxed. But most of the time, I, I, I appreciate the fact that he just kicks the you know, the table leg out and and everything collapses. Um, it's interesting, though. He does he does that tail away and all of, the, all of the tracks here are just a fade out, aren't they? There are no... Yeah, no. There are no songs that, there are no yeah, songs yeah. that end. They all fade. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they, you know, he ends the song because he ends his particular lyric, but mm. it doesn't, he doesn't kind of close it down yeah. himself. There is a myth right. doing the rounds that I, I hope is true, that he recorded uh, Mr. Tambourine Man... Gates of Eden and It's All Right, Ma, once through without a playback. And what about um, She Belongs to Me? Uh, I love that. I mean, this has been the greatest pleasure of this week, has been listening to She Belongs to Me and Love Minus Zero. And sort of being picked up, you know, every time you kind of come round on the loop and you've been through Gates of Eden, which is kind of unsettling and Mm. whatever, Mm. and then you come back to that and you just relax. It's just such a beautiful song. I think the... And the thing I found myself thinking about in that song, actually, is how interesting it is what he does with repetition and the way repetition um, both sets up a line as being more important than another line, but it also sets the conditions for which the non-repeating line that follows is suddenly elevated and lifted Mm. up. Mm. So you hear that line, you think, oh, you know, you may start out standing proud to steal anything she sees. And it repeats, so you think, you know, I'm meant to be thinking about that line, but the one that really kicks in then, because you've had that and you've started to adapt to it and you've started to think, I know how that will go if it comes back again, mm. uh, it, you will wind up peeking through her keel up, up, up on your knees. I mm. mean, and all throughout that song, the third line is just lifted up on this little plinth mm. made by the repetition of the first two lines. Mm. Um, and I, re- I love that. It's an interesting notion of art in there as well. That's that's you know she's she's an artist. She don't look back, um, because as a as a man on a on a on a mission, whatever he's on, Bob Dylan has never looked back. 
you know. And I know that that's a it's a it's a film title as well. But I think he is constantly moving, and it's and it's there in the song, isn't it? The definition of art is or an artist is someone who doesn't look back. I wonder. I wonder how much because he he sort of does look back. He just looks back and sees something different to what he saw before. He, he does look back, but he doesn't look back at himself. I think as well. No, I, it's I, not yeah. like that. It's well, not like a sense of repetition. Yeah, or and interestingly, he doesn't ever talk about himself as an artist. But I mean, she is the she's the the woman of your kind of dreams, or is she. Well, she would destroy me, but I mean, she, it's it's very seductive that song, musically seductive as well. Well, it's, it's I mean, the melody is fantastic, and it, and it's as you say, seductive and and deeply attractive. It stands in quite an interesting relationship to Love Minus Zero, I think, as well, which is a much more sort of unsettled song. It, mm. it starts out with this very mm. very beautiful melody. I mean, we'll we'll come on to that. Well, we can it, we can segue do, on do to it enough, if you want because they they are kind of related. Aren't they, they are yeah. related, and you think you think. I mean, you assume they're the same woman, that they're driven by the same kind of, you know, uh, early infatuation, a kind of adoration. Mm. But Love Minus Zero ends in such a weird way with the, yeah. the um, you know, at, the raven. At my love, she's like some raven at my window with a broken wing. Mm. And you think, well, what, one, what's she doing outside the room? Because the night blows cold and rainy, mm. you know, mm. and the wind howls like a hammer. Mm. I, I'm assuming she's outside in that. Yeah, in yeah. That. I see it. I see this rain-soaked <laughs> raven with a broken wing flapping against the window. And you think to get that, that's an odd place for your lover to be? And also, like a raven with a broken wing, it's sort of it's it's so ominous as a yeah. Well, he was big into Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Mm. Um, but as you say, it's another thing that sort of pulls everything away, and then you have to. And yet, the melody at that point is exactly as, as sweet. Mm. And beautiful as it is at the beginning of the song, and and which is one of the reasons that song kind of I think just unsettles you as it, as mm. it lets you go. Mm. I mean, I think it's he doesn't mention I don't believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, Luke, because you know every li- nuance of every lyric. Oh, no, I don't. But, but, yeah, <laughs> but it starts off my love are the first two words, which I find uh, very uh, unusual for Dylan because it's a straight out. He doesn't seem like the sort of guy who would even use the word love. You know, what does he mean? You know what? But he, but he does. That's my ob- obligatory um, yeah. bad yeah. Get that out of the way. Get that yeah. out of the way. We have to check. Um, is he right though? Is he right? No, no, he is. He is right. And, and I've got um, the I'm, I've got the lyrics here. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I don't have this in my head. I've got the book. <laughs> um, yeah, it does begin with my love, and 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 it happens again. Uh, my love, she speaks softly. It's there's more than one. Uh, my love, she's like some raven. Yeah, the story of them. But that's, uh, in the all... same song. Yeah. Yeah. My love, <clears> she speaks early. above all ideals and violence. And violence. Yeah. yeah. That's a great pairing as well, I think. Yeah. Uh, to be above all ideals. I mean, it's easy to be above all violence mm. as a sort of mm. song of love to somebody. Mm. But to be above all ideals is such an interesting idea. Mm. What do you think of um, she knows there's no success like failure and that failure is no success at all? Only because I think it's a, a beautiful couplet that only needs to be the first line. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and um, and I think it's rather trite the reversal. Yeah, it's well, not a great. I think it's frustrating the reversal. I didn't. We were sort of discussing this earlier, but we never mm. got. To, I never got to pipe in. Um, to <laughs> me, it's sort of like one of those infinity symbols that keeps the kind of conversation going. Uh, okay. I agree that the first line is terrific, and I but think the, the second line, line is, isn't as good. No, the first line is all you need. Though, mm, exactly, and, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's I think it's another one of those things where he he makes it harder for you to 
to, to I think put you've it got all to, together. You've, you've got to make to bring a case it all back home. Yeah, but it's, it's very easy, isn't it? I mean, I've done it already. It's very easy to uh, to defend or praise a lyric because it's an it's got an ambiguity that is that that has mm. no endpoint. Mm. Mm. Because of course, there's no testing that. It's much harder to say what that second line adds. So, what does yeah, that okay. second line add? Oh, I've, I'm I'm not going to go on. <laughs> We've got much better things to talk about. Um, so those are the love songs, and in between, there's Maggie's Farm. Yeah, this mm. was the ordeal for me, uh, yes. so, and and always on this album. I never liked this song, oh. and I didn't like it anymore after I listened to it. You know, six or seven times. Musically, lyrically, both. I don't like it musically. Uh, I don't like it lyrically. It just seems to me, uh, you know, I actually, after sort of about seven times, I was thinking of myself, you know, as basically like the human resources director for Maggie's Farm. I was just thinking, look, uh, you know, Mr. Dillon uh, signed a contract. He knew what the terms of the job were. Um, If he didn't like it, he could always design. I was saying, you know, if you hate it this much, just leave. But don't take me all the way through, you know, Maggie's father and... Mother and all of the others. Does, does Maggie require 28 days' notice and, and severance pay and all this? <laughs> I, I sort of get that. But, you <laughs> know, people were bugging. You know, they some say that it's about the folk movement. Get off my back. Leave yeah. me alone. I'm not going to uh, sur- um, uh, sing while I, while I slave yeah. or save. Um, and maybe he felt that he needed to keep punching them in the face because it is kind of like a, a punch in the face to me. I never get tired of it. I, I, I love the imagery of it. Um, and I wasn't one of those people who was trying to sort of keep him in the in the folk camp, yeah. but I I, um, I I find that it continues to unlock same sort of delights you get from a lot of Dylan songs, and it's surprisingly now because I've heard him play it in concert uh, a lot. That that's a kind of mild version. If you find the music sort of irritating, that's the sort of music. <laughs> well, the, the version in Newport, which she did that that summer, is so exciting. Um, it's in No Direction Home, the Scorsese film. It's yeah. it's readily available, but it, that that is 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 cranked up. Maggie's Farm. The version on the on the album. I, I'm, I'm with you. I find it a little bit. I was listening to this album just twice today, and, I, and it was apart from Gates of Eden, which I find. I'll get to that later. But but Maggie's Farm was the one I thought. Yeah, it's not it's not a keeper actually. Whereas the version at Newport, I think, is fabulous. So I think it, I think it brings I think the lyrics bring out a whine in Dylan's voice in this uh-huh. song. Mm-hmm. But also I don't know I mean speaking as someone who's had to defend Dylan against people who don't like them that like him for you know my music listening life if he sounds whiny that's just it's just ammunition for the people that don't like him because they always say he's whiny and it, and you, you know he's just uh, he's just making it easier for the opposition and yeah I but think, the wine can be fantastic i think oh god yes yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and so sort of powerful i just think here because it's so in line with what those lyrics are though they are sort of moany lyrics well i yeah. think they're snotty to me and i think that that's a difference i mean i i quite i like his snottiness um in fact that's why it's so surprising that it's in between these two non-snotty love songs and that this this ultimately snotty song. I mean, he must have been listening to this album and, and so many albums. I think, oh, I'm so glad he, I did, I've never met him. I would be just like one mm. of those reporters and he, who he destroyed, who he eviscerated. Um, and this to me is sort of like a buzzsaw of a song, um, eviscerating those people who, uh, yes, you, you say he could just walk away, but um, it was dif- difficult. It's like it's like being president and saying, I'm going to resign. It was it, it, 
and this was one of the ways that he did it. He he just said, uh, "We can you can see this on a podcast." Fuck off. <laughs> Now I have to put explicit yeah. lyrics on on That's okay. I don't mind him saying that. I just don't want to listen to it. Yep. Fair enough. Yeah. Time no, and time fair again. Enough. Fair enough. Um, Outlaw Blues. Do we have anything to say about that? I don't have anything massive to say about Outlaw Blues. I don't like the end of this first side. Uh, I don't like mm-hmm. these hallucinatory songs as much. Um, you know, it's fine. And, and you can go along with it and it's picaresque and all of that. I suppose quite do you, funny. Do you think Outlaw they... Blues? I mean, to me, I'm I'm a bit bored by Outlaw Blues and On the Road Again, but I love Bob Dylan's 115th Dream. So I, I think they're all kind of different, but I can never really even remember Outlaw Blues. It's it's it, to me, it's, it's it's pretty forgettable. I think it's worth it for Don't Ask Me Nothing About Nothing. I just might tell you the truth. Yeah, it's got like all of his songs. It has some fantastic lines, yeah. but musically, I find it comparatively dull, um, and. Yeah, it just, it's not, I, I, I might even um, skip the track. It just, it, it doesn't do anything for me. And On the Road Again, the thing that struck me about On the Road Again, because I obviously was listening to this today as well, has anyone ever said this? It's, um, you know, the Rolling Stones song, Live With Me? Oh, yeah. Is that not just completely ripped off from On the Road Again? Uh, it's about the house where you live, and it's the the, the chauffeur. You know, well, the, I'm going to go home the, and play back to back now. You know, it's it's all about this crazy, messy uh, house, and yeah. why are you living there? And come, li- w- w- the opposite is, don't you want to live with me? Anyway, I think okay. I think the Stones. I prefer the Stones song. I prefer "Live with Me" to "On the Road Again," which doesn't do much. But I would defend Bob Dylan's Under 15th Dream. I do think it's genuinely funny. I think it's it's genuinely yeah. witty and uh, and I don't actually, it doesn't bore me. It interests me. The, the moment I like in Bob Dylan's 115th Dream is the, is the, I think it's the final stanza. The funniest thing was as I was leaving the bay, I saw three ships sailing and they were all headed my way. Mm-hmm. So that the whole song is sort of pre-Columbian America. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's all before any of this has happened. Yeah. I love uh, the fact then, that he, but he's manages to get a parking ticket on the, uh, on the mast of the... Of <laughs> yeah, the, no, no. It's this boat. weird sort of mashup of <laughs> contemporary America and you're sitting there thinking, mm. and then the last thing he sees is Columbus arriving. Yeah. He also says he's, he's, he's on his way out. Well, he also once claimed that all of his songs end with good luck, and this one actually does. <laughs> Did he claim that? Yeah. He said, all my songs end with good luck. I hope you make it. Figuratively yes. speaking, yeah. <laughs> yes, I would. I would dispute that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was nineteen sixty-five. It's really hard to say. That. My love, she's like some raven at my window with a broken wing. Yeah, good it's luck. really hard to transpose that into. <laughs> good luck. I hope it works. Good luck. Out. I've got the key. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's raining. Yeah, take an umbrella. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to side two. Okay. Uh, Mr. Tambourine Man. Any good? Do you think it'll stand the test of time? <laughs> It's really hard to listen to, isn't it? Because it's so famous. And I, it's never been a song I really liked, but I did actually grow to like it a lot more listening mm. to this. And I think, my, um, I think the reason I didn't like it was just that in the Jingle Jangle Morning, I think that's such a twee line. And I didn't, I've never sort of, you know, picked apart the extent to which he is saying... He is describing something twee and describing mm. something, mm. you know, and actually fully endorsing it. And mm. I just, just sort of assumed he was underwriting it. And mm. I think he's not doing that. But it still give, it still jars with me. I, a it does bit, jar with me too, I have to say. Um, 
it's a heresy because it's such a famous line. But yes, but like there are good things and bad things in all his in all his songs. Yeah, I mean, I have a real problem with the answer my friend is blowing in the wind. I mean, so I know exactly what you're saying. Sometimes these these lines come along and you think. Come on, you do better than that. Particularly when the rest of the song's really good. Well, even Mr. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, I have to say I was put off it for for a long time too. Uh, Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man sounds a bit like uh, Mr. Bojangles, which he's also covered. Um, But you have to, if you can get through that, um, it's, it's one of my favorite Dylan songs ultimately. It's just sort of worked on me over the years of of not particularly liking it, to, and then I finally got to the point where I um I love it. Now yeah. I'm going to misquote him now, but that line about um, I, I'm going to fade into my own parade mm-hmm. is a terrific line, yeah. which I hadn't really sort of heard or paid attention to before. Mm. And you know, if you want a song that's like Maggie's Farm that says, "I'm not going to do this," "I'm not mm. going to be be this sort of character you want," mm. it seems to me Tambourine Man is a much much better version of that than yeah. Maggie's Farm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's a, it's a much better song. I mean, it, it's actually full of beautiful images, well, as opposed to ugly and, and fairly violent and one-dimensional images. And David Crosby was interviewed about that when, and obviously, because the birds had a hit with it and, and made a lot of money and it was very famous. Um, and David Crosby said in this interview that he had a problem with Dylan's voice when he first heard him and he couldn't quite get past it. And then he heard the lines to dance beneath the diamond sky with one hand waving free and thought, yeah, okay, right, he's good. You know. I think part of my prejudice is that I've just always hated tambourines ever since I was yeah. primary school and was made to, mm. <laughs> to hit a tambourine and fail, you know, to achieve any rhythm whatsoever. And so, uh, Yeah, they're more difficult than they look, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. But also this, this thing that bugged me for a few <clears throat> years of, you know, listening to the song off, off and on, mm. you can't play a song on a tambourine, just a tambourine. Mr. Tambourine, play a song for me. Yeah, jingle, right, jingle, 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 jingle. You can't do it. So that just pissed me off until I realized that that was another sort of Dylan thing, in and yeah. out, and where are we going with this? So, Gates of Eden, um, gentlemen. Well, I know, because you wrote, you, you sent me an email saying yeah. that you have problems with this, and you have problems with its kind of, the melody, and so on. Lack of, yeah. Mm. I think it's got a great tune, this. I just think it's wow. endlessly, the way it comes, I mean, I don't, I, I have no kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, music uh, language, but the way it sort of wrong foots you every time you come to that last, that final line in the verse, you know, mm-hmm. and, it, and it always lets you down. Yeah. Um, but it lets you down so beautifully. I really love this song. Uh, you know, the, I mean, Brian Ferry does a cover of it, which is fantastically mm. over the top. I mean, it's virtually, it's like a kind of ha- hammer horror movie. Yeah. It really is wildly over the top. Yeah. Um, but his voice is great on this because mm. you can get that sort of deep note. And it's all these deep sort of, you know, baleful notes. Has Paradise ever sounded more baleful, less welcoming, less... Mm. Mm. I think it's, it's great song. to hear you say that because I feel guilty now for, for saying that it's it's boring because I'm a... Dylan Nutt. And it I, is, you know, it I is just find boring, it a bit... but, but I think uh, I was listening as I came here. You know, one of my favorite Dylan songs is a song that I think a lot of people hate, which is Tempest, mm. which mm-hmm. is what, 13 minutes long? Mm. And one sort of really, really, really simple ah, so that's melodic your... line, nice. and it goes round and round, and yeah. it does not change at all. Nothing happens in it just keeps coming around i think it's hypnotic but is that so that, would you say that that's um, i'm just going to glance off this do those songs to me just seem to be more like poetry than songs because 
musically, to me, they don't have much going for them. But the but the words are well, special. Well, I, I think they 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 lift. I think they make the words visible in a different way. Mm. If the melody is, it, you've just stopped worrying about what's going to happen with the music, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> because you know exactly yeah. what's going. It's just going to come round yeah. again. But that moment when it comes round again is a sort of adds an incantation to the whole thing. But, I mean, in Tempest and the Titan, I think that's a fantastic song. I, I see it in my head as yeah. he... I've put it aside. <laughs> I've probably heard it oh, half a dozen times, and I've sort of put it aside as one of those ones that I'll go back to yeah. Yeah. properly. Um, in the w- same way with Gates of Eden, when you have that drone, I have to, I've always had trouble with Gates of Eden just because I, I get frustrated because about after about five verses, I turn off. Even though each yeah. verse individually is probably brilliant. Well, if you were, if I always think to myself, and I was thinking this, listening to this today, if I went to see Bob Dylan in 1964 or five, and he did this song, I would be transfixed. But on the album, it it's it's funny. We talk about you know poetry versus music. This is clearly a poem that for me struggles to be a song. Um, the harmonica is is completely redundant. There's this one note at the end of every verse. I think, what's that doing there? Because he listened to the live version. He did a live version in 64, which they've released, which is, I think, much more kind of arresting. And and surprise, surprise, there's no harmonica in it. I don't have a problem with the harmonica. It just seems to be pointless in this. Do you know the? Do you know? Do you know music? Do you know enough to say? No, no. Right. So it's not because I want somebody to explain to me what that final melodic line does. Because Mm. I think you are you are led by the melody Mm. to expect Mm. a little uplift at the end, Mm. and that goes with the grain of. You know, this is a song about the gates of Eden. This mm. is a song about what's great about, notionally, what's great about mm. Eden. In fact, it's very, very ambiguous. And it lets you down every time. It says, you know, <laughs> don't think. Well, that's Bob. Don't think ambiguous this is going to be great. Yeah. Don't think this is going to be great. But <laughs> yeah. that's so wonderful. Yeah, well, sure. Um, have we, have we, we talked about it all right, Mont, didn't we? Well, we, we did. Should we yeah, talk we about did. it a bit more? What are you, are you, what are your general feelings? Well, we, talk, we talked about my misunderstanding it as being a reassuring song. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> when right. in fact, of course, it's anything but reassuring. But it is, I don't know. Um, have you, I mean, again, if you hear him do it uh, live, it's yeah. much more brutal. It's well, that's Absolutely. what I was saying on the band. You when you hear him doing it, live, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is before the flood. It's kind of angry and furious. Yes, and yes, they're all angry. I, I mean, don't think it is mm. angry and furious here. It seems to me mm. much more philosophical here. So you know, it's all right, Mar. I'm only dying. I kind of from that mm. I take a. But can you imagine a little kid coming in from the street or a teenager or whatever going? It's all right, Ma. And she goes, what's <laughs> happened, Bobby? What's happened to you? It's all right, Ma. I'm, I'm only bleeding. You wouldn't be reassured. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, don't... it's a funny title because we know he was very devoted to his mother. I mean, it's it's an r- interesting, you know, concept. It's all right, Ma. I'm, I'm only covered with blood. Um, it's life yeah. and life only. So I, maybe that's another thing. I, I love it when he says it's life and life only. Um, mm. That's, again, one of the great lines it covers everything doesn't it well it's both got this um uh, it's got these lines which imply a a kind of buddhist disdain mm. for existence mm. but then lines like he not busy being born is busy dying which imply exactly the opposite you know mm. that as a way you've got to make mm. well i suppose that's reasonably buddhist as well you know and i think make, sarah who we just met around this time was uh, was heavily into eastern philosophy right. so obviously must must have affected him um it's all over now baby blue because i'm noticing that we're gonna have to uh, wrap it up believe it or not okay. fairly soon uh 
Give us your take on that. Yeah, I don't have much of a take on it. It's all right, baby blue. I like it, but um, it's not one of those that I'd be quite, I'd be quite liable to skip at that mm. point back to She Belongs to Me. I th- I, I I'd don't... rather I'd rather finish listening to this album mm. on She Belongs to Me mm. than any other song. I think. Oh really? Okay. I think it's a very because it just makes song. me feel good, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I went through years trying to figure out what it was about. It's all over Baby Blue because I didn't, hadn't read anything. Now I've read tons about it. Could be about his friend David Blue. It could be about the folk movement. It could be about Joan Baez. It could be about himself because mm-hmm. he's got blue eyes. Uh, you Baby know, a version blue by of Gene himself. Vincent, I think, as well. Uh, Gene mm-hmm. Vincent. There's a million. I mean, you probably know a million more. No, no. But. I have to say, it's one of those things where the more I read about it, the more interesting I found it. And at, and at first, I kind of felt like uh, like you. Um, but I think, again, it's got fantastic imagery, which has really grown on me. And historically, but I, th- I think it's, it's a funny defense, that, isn't it? Because I, I once had a big argument with somebody about look back in anger, which she said it was, a, you know, historically important. And I said, yeah, well, I know it's historically important, but it's misogynistic and it's way, way too long. Um, uh, so we couldn't agree, even though I agreed on the historical importance of it. I mean, I, I personally, I've got to say, in, in its defense, I, I adore this song. I, I heard it as a 13-year-old boy on the radio on a geography trip in Stoke-on-Trent. We were sitting in a coach waiting for someone to turn up so we could all leave. And this song came on the radio. It was 1985, and it, God knows what it was doing on the radio. But it came on, and I'd heard, you know, I heard my mum play Bob Dylan before, and I thought, well, he's a bit whiny, he can't really sing. And I heard this song, and, I, and I, something happened. I thought, no, he can sing. He's, that thing that he does with his voice, that's deliberate. Because there's bits of this song where he's singing conventionally well and that was the moment where i heard this song and thought yes no I, I get it you know and that never leaves me whenever i hear it i always i always think of that um i also love what he did to it about a year later when he was singing it um in 1966 the way he sings the word home in the line um all your seasick sailors they are rowing home is just so wonderful it really sounds like a man who's a long way from home you know well we're going to go home now to the uh, to the end of the show. Um, thank you for joining us, Tom Suckler. No, it was great. Thank you, Tom. Is It Rolling Bob, Talking Dylan is recorded in the Elizabeth Street Suite at VoiceOver Soho Studios. Engineered by John Green and produced by Peter Morris. We're on Twitter at Is It Rolling Pod. Music is by Sam Hare. Thought I'd shaken the wonder and the phantoms of my youth. Rainy days on the Great Lakes, walking the hills of old Duluth. There was me and Danny Lopez, cold eyes, black night, and then there was Ruth. <laughs>